0: Impact of Influence, the tragic story of a powerful South Carolina family and the mysterious deaths that they are linked to. Hello, friend. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. I am Matt Harris. I am here along with our co-host, my co-host, Seton Tucker. How are you doing today, Seton? I'm good. That's because a lot of things are happening. Uh, first off, we want to thank all the folks we saw down at the Stephen Smith fundraiser This past weekend, it was nice to see uh, Stephen's mother, Sandy, and other folks who came who just enjoyed the podcast and stopped by. Uh, Carla and Meredith came in from Tennessee. Yeah, that was really fun
1: to see them. And also, Suzanne uh, had a pleasure working with her. She just did a fantastic job and they raised
0: a lot of money. And the Capital Club did a great job of entertaining and also the bottom line, raising some money. So, Let's get to some things that have happened since we last spoke in the previous episode. For one thing, we have a settlement that was reached with the Satterfield family by Alex's old law firm, PMPED.
1: Yes, and we don't know the terms of that settlement because it was confidential, so we're going to talk to John a little bit later on about that. We also have another settlement that was potentially reached with the Beach family, Um, This is also a confidential settlement, and it was for $1.7 million, and the circumstances match what happened to Mallory Beach, but all parties are described as Jane and John Doe.
0: And we will have our legal analyst, John Snyder, on in a little bit to talk more about that. Also, later in the podcast, I should tell you, the South Carolina grand jury is looking at a drug money trail from Alec to a low-country drug gang, and we will get to that soon. We just have to hang around uh, as we approach that. Also, the assets have been frozen of Alec and Buster. Oh, and also something that, as we were recording this, a new thing has popped up, a break, uh, that Alec Murdoch's not going to be happy with. Alec and his son Buster's assets were frozen, as was the hope of, I believe, like five lawyers, uh, about... Four days ago, they had asked for that to happen, and uh, what, it, what happened?
1: So the judge says, after careful consideration, plaintiff's motion for temporary injunction and appointment of co-receivers and co-receivers counsel is granted. So we'll definitely talk to John about that to kind of get some clarification about exactly what that means.
0: And they picked the two people who will oversee the money, and have, there has been some spending going on, which has made the attorneys for Mallory Beach... And Cook and the Satterfields all say, hey, we got to keep an eye on this.
1: Right. So they paid off a house and what else?
0: Well, the house, I should tell you, Buster used $970,000 of his father's money to pay off a mortgage, is what Tinsley said, who's the attorney for the Mallory Beach family. Also, uh, Buster used it to sell his father's share in the Green Swamp Hunt Club for some $250,000. What Tinsley had alleged, along with Eric Bland and others, is that they are converting assets to cash and allowing assets to continue to be liquidated. They put a stop to that today. The judge has ruled that there will be attorneys taking over Buster and Alex finances to make sure that they are unable to hide any more money.
1: We also know that Randy Murdoch and Parker have both also filed lawsuits against Alec for money that they have lent him.
0: Parker, you should explain.
1: Parker is a partner at PMPED, the law firm where Alec previously worked. And I think what was like $150,000, Parker was $150,000 he lent him on March 21st, mm-hmm. and another $77,000 on May 21st. and. I mean, Randy's also suing his own brother for money that he's lent him. So there's a lot of money, and it it's, it's puzzling to me that they were lending him all this money. What did they think that they were lending him this money? They're saying that they didn't believe that he had any sort of drug problem, but he was borrowing a lot of money from a lot of different people.
0: And I assume he was making some pretty good cash working there, and he also had Edisto property. He had the Hunting uh, Lodge property, which you mentioned and he's involved in a whole bunch of other real estate holdings.
1: Right. I'm just wondering, though, what, what they thought they were lending him this money for. It's interesting. That's,
0: that is a big question, and I think that people are going to start digging in to find out what that is all about. And I, as I said, coming up in a little bit, we're going to tell you about the grand jury looking at the drug trail and the tie-in with potentially low country gangs.
1: Well, and the last thing I think we want to mention, too— is that Stephen Smith's attorney, Andy Savage, has gone on WCIV Charleston and said that they have hired a private investigator and there are suspects that they have in their sites that aren't connected to the Murdoch family. Mm -hmm. This is interesting because we know that the Stephen Smith case was reopened based on information that they found during the investigation of Maggie and Paul's death. Definitely interesting to see who this potential new suspect may be. And SLED has uh, issued a statement saying that they are making progress into the investigation.
0: Yes. Are we ready for our legal analyst to join us? Yes. All right. He is uh, John Snyder, legal analyst, former prosecutor, and also a defense attorney as well. So he's been on both sides. Hello, John. Hello, Matt. How are you guys? We're good. We just sent you over the latest which is the assets of Alec and Buster now have been frozen. Your your thoughts when you saw that?
2: So I, I think it's interesting. So two things actually happened as a result of that two sentence order. Uh, the assets are going to be held, but they're also going to be controlled and distributed by a receiver. And a receiver is a fancy word for a person who has to approve any check to be written, who's not related to anybody. In the case. And, and in this case, you have a former U.S. attorney and a business uh, expert who are going to be the guys in charge of basically handling all the money for the Murdoch family of what's left of Alex's family. So if Buster needs a rent check, he's gonna have to go to the receiver and ask for a rent check. And and so while they're in charge of dispensing funds. They're also going to be in charge of recouping or finding out where the funds went. and so um, receivers can be a great thing, but they can get expensive. so one of the things that I think we'll see in this order from the judge will be you know some kind of cap on their expenses because so, sometimes a receiver costs more than the money that they're they're in charge of overseeing.
0: Mm. So what is the advantage of when Buster sold? or paid off the property. The, the the advantage to the Murdoch family is what?
2: So, Buster recording the satisfaction of a mortgage is basically as a proxy for Alex saying I'm not owed any more money on this particular piece of property. And and so from a hmm. asset protection standpoint, it could be that you can't sue him for future income off of the mortgage. On your balance sheet, not only is it what you have, but what other people owe you. And so by recording this nine, $900,000 satisfaction, it's Alex saying, I'm not owed money anymore. The subject property is free and clear of, of an encumbrance.
1: So what kind of expenses can you use typically if you're under this type of order?
2: Reasonable. It's kind of like being on an allowance with our kids, right? Gas money, household, regular household maintenance, reasonable legal fees. It creates a control. It probably lends itself to maybe a forecast that, that bond will be given because now that Alex doesn't have any control over his own money, he's going to have to live by somebody else's you know, economic rules.
1: Can I ask you this, because this was a question that we got from one of our listeners, and I thought, as long as we're talking about legal fees, one question we got from a listener was that generally when assets can be sold to fund legal defense, uh, but there are provisions that these funds must come from clean hands. So if Alec used any of the money that he allegedly got from the Satterfield settlement to pay for his legal fees, how would that work? Can you explain the rules against using tainted funds?
2: absolutely so the the bar federal government you know each state is very clear that you can use money to pay attorneys fees but attorneys can't accept money from ill-gotten manner and so if you if somebody came to hire a lawyer for bank robbery and they brought in a briefcase that had blue dye all over it the, the the lawyer is supposed to say, you can hire me, but I can't take that money. So maybe you need to find another source of money. And that's so what we're going to see through this receiver is this unwinding of, OK, they owned the boat for 12 years before any of this malfeasance is alleged. Therefore, the sale of that boat to pay its attorney's fees was acceptable. Um They bought a 2020 Corvette uh, and paid cash for it. Giving the title to the lawyers for that may mean the lawyers have to give the title back to the estate.
0: They just try to tie every every bit of every dollar and see where it came from. That's right. To f- decide if that came from something before all this, if that came from his normal salary and all that sort of thing, so that's going to have to be un- un- unwound.
1: What will his attorneys do with that information? Like, if they find out that they were paid with funds that were stolen, are they obligated to return it? How does that play out?
2: They are, and so there'll be an inquiry, and and that'll be handled. And and I will say both of these lawyers that are representing them. No matter what your opinions are, they are above board. So they're not—they're not, they're not going to cut a corner for one client. They—they've they, got plenty of clients and have done very well in life by being straight shooters. So if—if if there's any issue with the funds, they're going to not be a part of it. And they probably told Alex that at the very beginning. Which is, whatever money comes in, it's got to be your money. It can't be any money from anybody alleging that you took it from them.
0: We're not going down for you, buddy. Uh, this, That's this, right. The thing uh, and Randy, his brother, uh, has filed a complaint against Alec for a seventy-five thousand dollars loan, fifteen thousand dollars for a rehab facility, and forty-six-five remains unpaid after selling tractor, uh, a tractor and rotary cutter. So why is Randy suing for that money? There's got to be some legal reason other than I want my brother to pay me back, and it's also certainly not helping alex's case maybe in the eyes of the public so what what is that about you think
2: there's about to be a long line of people that alex owes money to and so you want to be the first in line as a secured creditor which means you get a judgment against the debtor or the person that that owes you money as opposed to like a credit card or an auto loan which is unsecured If you don't pay your credit card, you get a bad credit karma report, but you don't get things taken from you. If you have a judgment, you can go after assets, you can go after property. In the brother's case, he may be able to go after some part of the estate that's owed to him through a family legacy. It gives the brother protection to actually get his money back. The other lit against the people suing him will also eventually get judgments as well, and that... They'll be they'll be aligned in how that all happens.
1: Well, so the Beach family filed a lien against uh, their property. So how will it work as far as who the lineup? Who is the first to to get their money if there is any money to be had from Alec?
2: So it it would be a bank that has a mortgage on your on a home. Then it would be a lien holder, but the but the lien has to have a judgment at the end. So. You can file a lien all day long, but if you don't sue on it, you're still in the unsecured creditor line.
1: So, it's potentially Randy would jump the Beach family. That's
2: correct, and and the Beach family will, I'm sure, will get a a, a judgment. But but the lien puts the world on notice that, hey, we have a claim on this property, and so if somebody tries to sell it to you or somebody offers you a deal on it know that it's subject to us with our lien rights.
1: Another person had kind of pointed out about Alex's psychiatric evaluation and admission to opioid addiction and how this would affect past cases that he represented people civilly. And also, um, what about people that he prosecuted as a volunteer prosecutor?
2: As soon as the report comes out, there are people who have either lost money, lost their case, or lost time by being in jail that are going to file what's called a motion for appropriate relief, which is, is asking the court to say, Hey, I got convicted or I lost, or something happened in my court case because of this guy's opioid addiction or whatever, whatever it turns out to be. We'd like you to open that case back up.
1: Okay. One other question, actually two. So there Is this confidential settlement with the Satterfield family and Ellick's previous law firm, PMPED? Um, And there's also potentially a confidential settlement with the Beach family. It's confidential. We don't know. The Island Packet reported that the scenario seems to fit the Beach family, but it's a John Doe and Jane Doe. So I didn't know about this confidentiality. Is that something specific to South Carolina or is this how it's done throughout the country?
2: No, any party, you know, just like, The three of us could all contract together to go buy a house. That contract wouldn't be public in the same way a settlement wouldn't be public where um, it's going to have details that may or may not be um, relevant to other cases. And so it was in the best interest of, of the parties to that settlement to, to go into it. So um, if, the law firm reached a settlement agreement with the family. They're not going to want the terms of that to be released. And, and that's that would be standard. And that would be something standard you know, all over the country. That's that's not unique or or anybody protecting the Murdals in, in, in this case.
1: OK, and the other thing. So Harpootlian, um has gone on record saying that Maggie and Paul did not have life insurance policies. Um, Does that become public record? Or I don't know if you can speak to that or not.
2: Again, just kind of a private contract thing. It would show up in the estate and the receiver. Yeah, we we might see evidence of that where the receiver has to file in with the court. We've Mm -hmm. we've done an audit of everything. And this is all the money that could be coming to Alex and and Buster. Yeah, if
0: it exists, they'll find it now that they have people in charge. You
2: can't
1: hide. You can't assets. hide that. That's right.
0: Yeah.
2: You, yeah, you can't. Normal. I mean, normally, like, it would never be public that you know my wife has life insurance policy right. on me, and unless my wife was being sued and and somebody was saying, well, she's about to get a check for a million dollars because her husband passed away.
0: John, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it.
2: Thanks, John. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed being with you as always.
0: Okay, now on to a couple of notes. We want to get to the drug trail thing. But first, we should also mention there had been a report out there that uh, Gloria Satterfield was homeless at one right, point. Right.
1: Yeah. So that was reported and a family member and I checked it out with the Hampton Source. She was not homeless. I think there was a period of time that she was uh, waiting for her house to be ready. So yeah. she was living with family members. So if that's not really, you know, if that's homeless, then most of us have been homeless at one point.
0: Yes, it was not uh, the homeless as you think of it. Okay, so uh, South Carolina grand juries looking at a drug money trail from ALEC to low country gangs, sources say. This is another crazy twist. There had been some rumors and reports of some sort of connection. Uh, of course, the guy's doing as much opioids as the amount of money he took out. he have to be getting it from somewhere. But a state grand jury's looking into that trail Uh, to a low-country gang based in Walterboro and believed to be called the Cowboys.
1: Right. And this is the second grand jury investigation involving Alec. We know that he has this other investigation about obstruction of justice into the Mallory Beach boating
0: accident. The extra nutty thing is here, the money trail linking Murdoch is allegedly in checks he wrote to a person, who in turn would write checks to couriers to buy drugs, Money paid to the couriers is believed to have been used to buy the drugs from cowboy gang affiliates. And uh, these are sources that were talking to the Island Packet, amongst others. Uh, the drugs that would make their way back to Murdoch, opioids, they say. And the checks were written for huge amounts.
1: Well, they say, like, before uh, June, that he was spending an average of ten to $20,000 a month. And again, easily traceable because it was by check, which I did not know you were able to Drug dealers right? by check, um, but then after uh, early June, which is when Maggie and Paul were murdered, he ramped up and was spending about two hundred thousand dollars worth of checks. So I again think that this is really strange that someone could be spending two hundred thousand dollars a month on drugs and still be alive. Or is this some sort of I think you know money laundering? I don't well, know
0: I think the. The $200,000 worth of checks you're talking about were written between early June and early September. Right. So it's not $200,000 a month. Okay, yeah, it's a little, but, a, a little
1: bit still, less than that. But a lot. still, it's a lot. <laughs>
0: it's a lot of money. And this is just another really crazy twist. And again, the, all the people loaning him money, apparently, uh, along with the fact that he's writing checks, big fat checks to
1: couriers allegedly.
0: To couriers and then it's it's we've got to figure out where all that's going but it's going to be uncovered I would think relatively quickly if it's already in front of uh, a grand jury Uh, they have a little thing about the cowboys gang I found in uh, one of the papers the cowboys gang is in the low country and there was a press release from the U.S. attorney's office said the group was a quote violent street gang Originating from the east side area of Walterboro, which there's not many sides, so if you're on the east side and west side, you're pretty close. Members of the cowboy show their allegiance by wearing red, white, and blue clothing, and carrying rags in those colors, including depictions of the American flag. This is a 2017 release. Gang members are known to post threats, firearms, large amounts of cash, and narcotics on Facebook and YouTube. Yeah, very I mean the social media.
1: This story just can't get any stranger.
0: Eight cowboy members were convicted. They were investigated by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives in Charleston and multiple other low-country law enforcement agencies. It does get even ramped up even more of a notch when we're now we're dragging a uh, major drug gang into this—a violent drug gang. Right. Which is crazy to think that Alec, who had this, could have had this ideal life, is.
1: Tied up up, with these people. Tied up
0: with these uh, very violent drug lords. And
1: you kind of found another connection with some drug stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think it's News 2 in Charleston. Put this out a while back. They uncovered tax record documents showing several properties, at least partially owned by Alec Murdoch, had fallen behind on taxes, and their eight Beaufort County properties on St. Helena Island have back taxes due. Some of the missed payments date as far back as 2019 Tax amount owed on the properties ranged from like a few bucks to a few hundred dollars, but the point is, they were co-owned by Alec Murdoch and Barrett T. Bullware. Yeah, so that is where we stand. What we're waiting for next, shoot a drop, will be the Psychobal.
1: Oh yes, yeah.
0: That'll be the next next thing. That will probably the next thing, but who knows? The way this thing twists and turns and things pop up, it could. But we're supposed to hear that. Uh, as of this recording, within the next three days, probably.
1: Right. I would think we should hear soon. But right now, Alec remains in jail.
0: Yep. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us. If you liked it, give it a five-star review. Share it, and you can find us on Facebook. Murdoch Podcast. Here you go. Seaton Tucker, Matt Harris. We will talk to you soon. For the ones
2: who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
0: On the morning of August 1st, 1966,